Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Um, as this will actually be our first podcast in June, I guess we start saying happy pride, everyone. And this week, I'm going to remember to thank the Grinding Coffee Company right away before we get into things. Uh, they're a great minority-owned uh, LGBTQ-ran coffee company. They love to support gamers. They've been supporting us for years. They've been wonderful uh, partners with us and support with a lot of the events that we've done. They also keep Hobbs stocked on caffeine, which is very important for the cast. But speaking of Hobbs, he is not going to be here this week. It's it's, um, just Taya and myself. So I'm going to just do my intro real quick. Then we'll get into our topic today. Uh, And Well, my intro and Taya's intro. I'm sorry. I'm Alex. Found on Twitter at uh, Mel underscore Chronicler. Pronouns are he, him. Okay, do you want to introduce yourself? And then we can yeah. in question. And this gives this me... This is Taya. Um, pronouns are she, her, they, them. And I'm uh, at Taya Transcends on Twitter. All right. And so this week we were thinking, uh, in one of our, our last episodes, Taya, you and I talked kind of about the new story things that had happened and some of these implications. Um, but it was right after this stuff came out and we talked a little more for, I think from the angle of characters that we were hoping to see or that we had seen and talked about their, where they were at, or, you know, maybe theorizing about where some other characters might be. And we're thinking this week, maybe we come back and talk more about kind of the villain angle or the threats or, kind of the story types where some of the tension for some of these stories might be seeing as kind of the nature of the spark, the nature of the universe has changed and we kind of get into that. And so just as a nice opening topic is kind of what your favorite villains from, from magic and being who I am, I was kind of stuck between what feels like the obvious to me, which is not always the obvious for everybody and something strange. So I guess I'll say the obvious <laughs> depending on, and maybe I'll, I'll say the strange one too, but Yagmoth was the, is the obvious for me is still kind of the quintessential magic villain. Um, the, the storyline that was built fairly early, the, the first few sets, the first year, two years of magic didn't have a ton of story, but, they managed to take some of those sets like antiquities and things and, and with the Urza and the Mishra and the Brothers War that didn't have a lot of, of greater story and tie this into the storyline that ran for five, six years, uh, culminating in the invasion block with Yawgmoth. I mean, and then we see even the echoes of that coming back with the recent, very recent Phyrexian uh, resurgence and invasion, um, sort of echoing what Yawgmoth was doing on a bigger scale. But the a lot of how they set up the villain of Yogmoth and the in early magic. At least, may, who knows? Maybe it's just the the age I was and how I was engaging with the game at the time. But it was one of those villains you don't see, and that kind of makes them scarier for a long time. And they managed to build the Phyrexians and Yogmoth as this threat that had plans that you could see some of the tendrils of, but you couldn't understand fully and then the invasion block happens and there was three major phases representing the three block sets of that block and I, that block is still some of my favorite magic story so nice that's the answer i'm gonna go with uh, I, i'm gonna go with just someone that i absolutely love to hate which i think is a sign of a really good villain and that's uh tybalt no i'm kidding here it, it's <laughs> 
it's from pre-show chat. No, it, it's uh, Tezzeret. I I cannot mm-hmm. stand Tezzeret at all, which mm-hmm. I think is been a sign that they've done a really good job with him as a villain. He's one of those people who does nothing but care for himself. He does not care what damage he does. Obviously, he just totally messed up the multiverse just so he could get himself a new body. Mm-hmm. He's always been a terrible person in the story. You know, going back to the initial, uh, you know, early appearances in the books and the um, comic books. Uh, storyline and uh, web comics. Yeah, I just I can't stand him, and I think he's a great villain because of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's a good choice, and in in a lot of ways, very different from Yagmoth, but he has a similar thing of you can see some of the things he's doing, but you don't always know why he's doing what he's doing. He has yeah. his own plans in the background. Yeah, and he. And I guess as a villain, he just gets away with everything. Every time you think he might face any sort of punishment, he sort of weasels out of it. Like, <laughs> you know, you thought he was going to get his, it finally get his comeuppance when, you know, he got his end of the bargain upheld by the Phyrexians to the point where then he was going to be, you know, Phyrexianized and he manages to skip out on that too. And it's like, Every time he's about to face any sort of punishment, he gets out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's still at large. Yeah. In the in the multiverse. I think we in honor of Hobbes, maybe we can say Ugin as a <laughs> as a big villain. It might be his favorite villain. Uh, I don't know. I, I still don't <laughs> think he's a villain, but no, I know no, what it's... Hobbes has to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. And for for what it counts, I guess my my weird one. I was just for some reason in my head, and this isn't really even a villain thing. But did you ever read any of the early magic fiction that was like anthologies of short stories? Yeah, I did. Did you read the one about the Ragman? I think so, but it's been a long time. It. it I don't know why this particular this particular story stuck in my head i can't remember any of them from that book but that one was about a card from the dark just called the ragman and i don't feel that that card is terribly significant outside of the fact that there's a story written about it at least from a mechanical standpoint i don't know that anyone's really playing that card but there was just this story of this small village in a mountain and he is the this personification of like the grim reaper and there's this whole story and, and it, I actually really enjoyed it. And, and that story is one set up kind of like he's set up as a villain role. But by the end of the story, you understand that he's not really the villain. He's fulfilling a, a function that needs to be done. And that sets him in a place where it, sometimes pe- people don't like what he's doing and it's not great for everybody, but it's a function that has to be done. So that was a, that was kind of my weird one. But anyway, so I guess a, a, just a quick recap for people who may not have may not be caught up on the story. I say this, it feels like it's been a while, but it's only been not even a month, really. I mean, maybe a little over a month since the, the March of the Machine and the March of the Machine Aftermath stuff um, sort of resolved and came out. And so we've got a, another major change to the nature of the multiverse, kind of, you know, similar to what we had back in the Time Spiral block. Now, all of a sudden, Sparks are very, very infrequent. There are very, very few planeswalkers. 
but there are these paths between worlds from stuff Wizards has mentioned. It sounds like some will be permanent and some will be not permanent, and there's kind of some variance within there that will give them a lot of flexibility for storytelling. Just to to zoom out on a little to a little more of a meta lens, I appreciate how that will help them build more flexible, be more flexible with their stories. And I think, and I don't know how much of this they've said and how much is just me inferring, but it feels like they made Planeswalkers initially toned, I should say toned down Planeswalkers initially to, to make the Neo Walkers and Planar Chaos and Time Spiral Block because they wanted to have these characters that could move world. They wanted to build characters that could move world to world and kind of be part of all these stories without the godlike powers of the old walkers. And that made sense from a storytelling standpoint, but I think they kind of with the Gatewatch and people talk about Gatewatch fatigue for years and all of the things going on with these stories, it made it hard. It still made it hard for them to develop characters on the worlds. I feel because if they make this really cool legend, like, you know, Rata or, you know, any of these other people that players really care about players can only see them when they go back to that world. But this change in story allows them to potentially build some of these types of characters who travel world to world and can be in present in more sets. To be honest, going back a little bit to the, the old Weatherlight saga, because that was a big part of how that story worked. You had a crew on a ship moving from world to world, and the total roster of that crew went up and down as some people joined and some people left. But by and large, you had the same core crew as a, as a thread through a number of, of sets, through a number of years and different worlds. So with that, it feels like there's going to be different types of stories. A, it opens up. just This just opens up different types of stories. But even you look at our, our last three major threats, the, the uh, Bolas, I, I nearly said Ugin there instead because I guess I'm in Hobbs mode right now. Uh, you've got the Phyrexians and the Eldrazi were all major galactic level threats to, to some degree or another. Bolas was maybe a, a notch below that, but pretty close. He was a large threat, threatening a lot of people across multiple worlds. And this is going to make those stories more difficult to tell, I think. But that, I don't know. I, I think it overall it could be good. We'll see. And I, I really appreciate the stories, the people they've had writing. Um, and I guess I'll just start with with one of the things I, I wanted to talk about, and this is the nature of villains was, is a big part of this. Like, what types of villains are we going to see? Who are we going to see? And I have some some things there, but I think we might actually we could see, and and we'll see what what types of stories they want to try to tell in these sets. But we could potentially see more stories that don't feature a singular villain as much, because now for kind of the first time. There's a few very specific isolated places where you could do this, but we could have stories where someone is stranded on a world and has to either be rescued or has to find a way to survive and leave themselves. Because the nature of planar travel before this, even you know, both before and after the mending, didn't have a lot of space for that. I mean, Ixalan kind of had that, but they had to build an entire MacGuffin around that to have that type of story but now you can kind of just they could kind of spice that in wherever whenever they feel that that would be a good 
story to tell in this space. Yeah, I would, uh, I, I, I'm interested in, we, we discussed this a couple of episodes ago where we thought things might be going with the story and, you know, now we're focusing more on the villains, but I, I do think that what's going on fo- lets them focus more on some small stories for now. And, and the same thing kind of happened after War of the Spark where, they were planting things that would be important for the Phyrexian arc, but in, you know, the stories themselves were pretty self-contained. Mm-hmm. It's true. And I think we're going to see that for the next year or so, where we get a bunch of self-contained stories that have some kind of tie into whatever the next big arc is, but are going to be pretty self-sufficient as far as, no multiversal level threats. Yeah. And it's this, we it's so hard to, to try to speculate on, but it, it'd be interesting to me to see if we even have another one of those threats, you know, in the next five years, like maybe by that point they're starting to build into something. But I, I think this, we could have a number of years where it's just, let's focus on some smaller things. Cause they can do those smaller things now and still have specific characters as threads through them. And we saw in the aftermath story, Nissa and Chandra are going to go travel a bit. I mean, I'm trying to get Nissa home, but some of that is like that could easily lead into, you could have characters like that who are traveling world to world a little bit, similar to how the planeswalkers used to, but now they don't have to be planeswalkers to do that. Yeah. I'm going to be, uh, I'm really interested to see what they do, whether they focus on the fact that characters can walk world to world, or if they actually use this as more of a thing to de-emphasize planes walking completely and focus just on individual worlds. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a good thought too. And it'll be, we'll see. There's kind of seats for both. For for instance, we have Nahiri to just I guess to just hit the other aftermath story. Nahiri lost her spark, but this the way the story was written with her, it feels like she's going kind of guru. She didn't just lose her spark; she dropped her spark. Yes, it was. Yeah, that, that's fair. There, there. It was a little more dramatic than that. Um, kind of lost it, almost got it back, and then it got broken in front, like right in front of her. Yeah. But it so there's the potential that she goes and starts hunting planeswalkers. Maybe I don't know. I I don't. It sounds like, like she, you know, that, like but, planeswalkers that show up on Zendikar are going to mm, be automatically, you know, in her sights. And... No, that's fair. That's fair. The the way she was, yeah. That's 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 less let's Garuk and more just I'm gonna zealously protect this piece of land, this plane. Yeah. See that yeah. I so they have, you know, just talking about villains in general, Nahiri has been used as a villain since her introduction on kind of one of those minor scale villains. Yes. You know, I know Shannon has a lot to say about how Nahiri's been used, and we did talk to her a bit about that when she was on. Uh, you can go back to the Nahiri comics episode to hear that. But 
you know, it's, they have used her mostly as a villain and they started during the all will be one storyline. She kind of, you, you got to see the other side of her where she was, you know, working for the greater good and, you know, even to the point of being sacrificial for it. But, you know, now she's been hardcore cast as this local villain that's basically going to be a complete zealot about planeswalkers on Zendikar. Yeah. Which I didn't like seeing <laughs> that. I, I feel uh, in a weird way. I, I, I feel bad for the character outside of, uh, I don't know. I'm, some There are times where there there's things that are happening to characters where you're supposed to connect with them and be empathetically like connect with that character and feel sympathy for what, what they're going through. And I, there's some of that, but I also feel it more on a meta sense where it feels like just let Nahiri rest, <laughs> like just stop making her casting her in this villain role. You know, and she has done villainous things, but she mm-hmm. also absolutely has, you know, she has a hell of a lot of trauma going on. Too. Yes. And yeah. And, and did well, it was part of now two major, you know, heroic acts though. There's a lot of trauma around both. Uh, tons of trauma around both, actually, both with the trapping the Eldrazi initially and then the Phyrexian invasion. And it, it would be nice if <laughs> we go back to this a lot and it's true, but like this multi, the multiverse needs a lot of, of therapists. It would be, <sighs> that's a whole thing that we don't need to go into more, but that's, so yeah, I, I had Nahiri on my list just because it seems that the story was kind of casting her in, into that role. We'll yeah. see where that goes and what they do with it. It I again I'm not happy with it, but that's kind, kind of, of what one that I have on my list is Ashok. And good one. we never did get to see the Theris Beyond Death story, which definitely seemed to have cast them as the villain for that where they were the one tormenting Elspeth instead of Elspeth having her peaceful rest that she was supposed to have. Mm-hmm. And then whatever's going on in Eldraine, it sounds like they're either behind it or they're profiting on it off of it. So I'm interested to see what they do with Ashok from here because They've always been a minor character that's been in the background. We missed their one set where, you know, they, they could have been more. We and kind of introduced on the original Theros as the comic. They were a comic mm-hmm. book character, but that comic <laughs> book ended before we got any real conclusion as to what was going on with them. Yep. Yep. So it's twice Ashiok is, is tied to some events going on and twice that story is either not told at all or ends abruptly before we get to learn much at all. Yeah. So, you know, we had them play their role in the Phyrexian invasion with giving uh, Elspeth nightmare or giving a uh, Elishnorn nightmares about Elspeth. I mean, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah. To, yeah. Speaking of a, another character whose, you know, motivations are unknown and whose things, you know, actions are sort of uh, unknown. 
Ashiok is a great character in that way and, and potentially set up, could potentially be set up in, as, as a great villain in, in some way. I mean, and, and even to the fact that Ashiok's powers are perfect, perfectly suited to the working from the shadows sort of archetype as well. Yeah, you know, we don't really know what they're after, what they mm-hmm. get out of this. No. You know, other than they enjoy causing and feeding off of nightmares, but we don't know what their real motivation is. Yeah, and and from what we know of Ashok's power set, which is fairly limited, again, because two stories that the this character was involved in that we just didn't get to see, really, it seems like th- this is a this is the type of character too that even when there is a confrontation with, you don't know how much of that is actually happening, or how much of that is a part of the plan, or how much of that is, you know, the, the Ashiok is a, it seems like the perfect character to, in, you know, introduce, have some things going on, have them seem defeated, and then they actually aren't because this was, you know, maybe a set a minor setback or whatever. So it's like I. That's Ashiok was a good character to bring up. I did yeah, not. And we know nothing about their background or where they're mm-hmm. from or anything. I mean, they could easily be the harbinger of some new big bad that we know nothing about. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You're Ashiok is a perfect character for them to, to kind of cultivate into new storylines now in this sort of new age. And I honestly is, is part of why I think this pruning or what did they call it? The great pruning could be a really good thing for the story. Like there's just so many planeswalkers who kept getting added that you had a bunch of promising ones like Ashiok that had, was supposed to have story that didn't get to be told. And so many others that didn't re- don't really ever get story even. And so start to get to focus on some of these characters again, bring them into the story could be, could be some good stuff. Yeah, I guess we'll find out more in Eldraine unless they cancel the Eldraine story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that one's, that one's coming up pretty soon, right? That's this. Yeah. Is that the next block? The fall set. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's the next actual set. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have the Lord of the Rings set coming out now, but that, that story was spoiled 80 years ago. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we need to talk about the villains of uh, of that set and how they interact with what we have going on. So I don't know. It's <laughs> I think it kind of brings it to the you know I mentioned like Ashok could possibly be like a, a herald or something for the next new big bad. But what what is our next new big bad? We don't really have any idea. You know, we've just wrapped mm-hmm. up all of the the major villains in magic history um, with the Frexian art coming to a close and they're all in cold storage right now, all the ones that we know about. So, you know, I'm, I'm expecting something new. I'm expecting them to come up with some kind of new multiversal threat. And this has been hinted to a little bit with Kazmina, you know, recruiting or cultivating planeswalkers to battle some, big threat that has still not, never been revealed as to what she's gathering planeswalkers for. Or if that plot line is just going to be dropped with the uh, spark rupture. Yeah. No, that's, I don't an, know. that's an interesting call out too. Cause that's another, that's another storyline where as they're setting things up, we could have a storyline with Kazmina 
desperately trying to connect with any planeswalkers who are left without having an actual like villain in this storyline. We have the the shadow of whatever the next thing is looming, but we might have a storyline there without an actual villain in confrontation in just like Kazmina's desperation to build some group, you know, connections and build some group to stand against this thing. But yeah, that's interesting because if we, you know, look look through kind of the history of of the ma- magic story, we had this period in sort of I, I guess right around the actual modern quote unquote set set up. But we had three blocks in a row that int- introduced new villains. I guess well, that's actually a little after modern because this was after the first Mirrodin. But if there was, you know, the the Phyrexians were brought back in Scars of Mirrodin, and you had Bolas sort of his plans sort of revealed a little bit or Bolas having his like debut as a, as a galaxy wide threat, even though it was referenced a little bit earlier that he was around um, in Alara. And then the Eldrazi were introduced for the first time in the rise of the Eldrazi. And that was three blocks in a row. And then we've kind of been dealing with that ever since there hasn't been any other, there've been a few illusions like the Kazmina storyline. You've, you've got, whatever the hell Tezzeret has going on. Sometimes it feels like he's got his own thing happening. Um, sometimes he's working with one or more of these, these those three big threats. But for the most part, there was those three big threats. And that's what we've dealt with in the last decade or so of Magic Story. Yeah, no, the and, last 15 years. Yeah. And so I, that's where it's like, I'm not even sure we're going to have a name or a face to a cosmic threat in the next five we might have a few illusions or we might have something where they start to set up a couple things. I'll be interested to see how they decide they want to tell their story because they, they set up a bunch of that stuff, but in that 15 years they've had, they've hit a few rough patches with consistency in their story for various reasons for people they brought in or things that they kind of did that caused, you know, a lot of issues and backlash. And so they're, there have been some some issues there. And so I'm curious if they want to try that model again or if they're going to be trying to do something else. And we, I don't know, we might get small stories and then one villain and maybe we get the breadcrumbs of the next big thing um, while they're working Merit through Lige the first. Merit is still out there somewhere. Merit Liege, that's, that's, that's fair. That's a big one that is in the story that's still around. I don't know. I'm... I'm hopeful. I'm actually really hopeful for the magic story right now, but there is a small part of me that's a little worried just from comparisons of other things. And I don't want to get too deep into world of Warcraft, but that was a game I played for a long time. And they hit a point in their story where it kind of felt like the creators, well, the the game had run on long enough that the people who were making the game at that point were not the people who made the game originally. And it kind of felt like, they just threw out a bunch of things and fed, you know, just sped through several major plots and, and villains just to get them out of the way and didn't give them a lot of a lot of space. There's at least one villain I can think of during one of the expansions that feels like that should have been an entire expansion and they just you know well, which like, one are you talking about? I'm I'm thinking about the last Elder God and Yeah. Oh my god. Battle for Azeroth, yeah. yeah, where they that 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 expansion in particular, or or even 
oh, what's her name? The the Naga Queen. Yeah. Ajara. Sure. And so it's just like that was one that again felt like they could have done a whole expansion around dealing with Ajara and all of the things that she was working with. But that was one raid, one one patch, handful of months. And then we move on to kind of clear out the next piece of story and the next piece of lore so that we could kind of have a fresh slate. And it's, I can see from a creative standpoint where you kind of want to do your own thing, but from someone who was invested in the story for years, it felt really dismissive of the story. We're like, ah, oh, we're just going to, we're not going to let it sit and bake and come up with our own thing to do with it. We're going to just kind of throw it all out so that it's all out there and it's done and it's over. And magic hasn't done that. I don't feel recently. I can't think of an, a, an example of that, but I, I, and I'm not actually worried about that specifically. I don't know that that will happen, but as you point out, they've gone through a lot of threats. And so I'm kind of hoping that they take their time to seed and establish things and don't just try to mine all the stuff that they have and spit that out pretty quick, which I don't think they'll do, especially the way they've set this story up, these stories up now. We're going to get storylines in the short term that don't have to mine all of these big things. No, and there's there's a lot of, you know, just there, there's a lot of villains out there and villainous things that we don't know about. We don't know mm-hmm. who who was speaking to Luca through the Ozolith. We don't know what mm-hmm. Oko's up to. Yep, Oko was on my list as a... You know, the Raven Man is sitting in a ring at the bottom of a swamp, but, you know, things don't stay buried forever. Yep. The Anaki looks like it's possible they might have gotten loose during March of the Machines. Yep, and that, you know, ties into uh, uh, Liliana and and her the, the, the Veil and Ooh, all geez. of that yeah. stuff, which is another storyline that has been seeded for years and feels like a good one that can, like, develop. And then kind of you can run with that while other things have time to sort of develop and percolate. Yeah, there's there's a lot of you know smaller loose ends that they can chase mm-hmm. down now that they can start to and, pull on. And even and I joked about Ugin on the in the intro, but even Bolus is still a loose end that they seem to like rattle those that cage just a little bit with this end you know point of the this recent story and he has been shown to be a person who if he if you have a small opening he will find that and he will exploit that so he's he's one who could come back i mean and that was like you say all all three of these major threats that they dealt with recently to one extent or another are still present we two of the three eldrazi are killed but you still got you still got one in, in storage. You've got the, the Phyrexians aren't gone. They're just phased out. Yeah. Bolus is chilling on the meditation plane. And we still have whatever consequences Ugin said there would be for killing two Eldrazi, too. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. that's... That's and, something they could pretty much bring up at any time. You know, is... You know, that could that could happen next year that could happen in 10 years but they could eventually come back to that plot thread yeah and that's a plot thread that potentially the 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 ominous but vague way that ugin was talking about that that could easily tie into a new 
nature of the multiverse shift sort of thing if they feel they need that yeah there's a lot that can be done with that well yeah i'm you know circling back a little bit and i I said it earlier is i think the next few sets we're gonna get we're gonna get small localized things you know we're gonna find out whatever's happening in eldraine with the sleeping sickness and that'll probably be resolved um there on ixalan i'm expecting that you know we're just gonna have the the three sides four sides forgetting the merfolk (laughs) for a second um fighting over treasure or something um again and it's not going to have any major consequences yeah to the multiverse you know we don't know what's coming next but there's been a lot of hints that tarkir will be there and we'll have the dragons versus the clan cons Mm -hmm. and they've really been setting that up with the the contrast between narsa and sarkhan Mm, yeah so i'm i'm absolutely expecting a tarkir set next year uh with all the seeding that they've been doing for that okay yeah and we know both of those narset and sarkin both lost their sparks i'm just trying to like put these pieces together in my head it's like are are there still a planeswalker no okay and their their flavor text and their um de-sparked versions both seem to hint that they're going to be on opposite sides of this conflict yeah, that would that would make sense for both of them. In fact, that fits for both. That could be interesting. Yeah, and we'll see. It's it's June now, so what is it? Each year, usually July, August is is often when they announce kind of what's coming. Or um, I don't know, maybe that's not what they do recently. But so we fairly soon the next few months probably we'll have a better idea of of what they're looking to do next year but yeah probably small things local stuff tarkir makes a lot of sense it's been a while since they've been to tarkir um, especially if they can set up that cons versus dragons conflict because mark rosewater's even talked about that being the the first set was the more interesting set that had that conflict that had the cons and all the conflict there and then they sort of did the whole timey wimey thing and reset that to be just the dragons around. But yeah, but people really liked the clans. Yeah. And with Ugin gone and preoccupied, they could very easily make a story justification that now, nope, the nature of this world has flipped again. Like in the other timeline where Ugin died, then that is what kind of created that opening. And so we could, we could see that happen. Yeah, the, the the dragon tempest could be thinning out because Ugin isn't there to keep them going, and and that could even, depending on what's going on with Ugin, create an opening for Bolus to escape for them to seed for future years, or maybe not. Maybe that has nothing to do with it. Maybe that won't show up at all. But if stuff is going on there and Ugin still has his spark, he might feel compelled to go do something. Yeah. So I'm I'm totally expecting them to introduce some new large villain over the next couple of years, but I think we're going to get it piecemeal a little bit here and a little bit there uh, and then start to see the larger picture develop after, you know, a couple of years. I mean, you said, you said within five years, I think it's going to be sooner than that before they start seeding another big villain, but 
I, I think we're going to get something new. I don't think it's going to be any of the ones that we've seen before. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it'll be something new. And yeah, we'll we'll see seeds by then. I'm not sure that we'll see it show up in five years. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not confident enough to say for sure, but I, I think there's a, a solid chance that we don't actually see it show up in the next five years. Well, th- there'll be seeds for sure. They they want to have that some of those threads, kind of regardless of how they want to tell the their exact methodology of telling these stories that's even if they're not going to do the, Hey, let's introduce a few big things and then come, you know, work on that over the next decade or more. I don't know that we'll do that, but kind of introducing those little threads here and there while we're dealing with smaller things like a a single plane things, maybe we'll have some stuff with a planeswalker, like an Oko or an Ashiok who's kind of, causing havoc in a couple of places, but not, you know, galaxy wide sort of thing, multiverse wide. I think we're going to see, we're going to see a lot of PVE in the next couple of sets (laughs) because, you know, it's the, the lack of sparks and the change to the multiverse is going to result in the, the multiverse itself being the enemy in a lot of Mm. the storylines. Yeah. I mean, and, and this to get to another sort of non-villain thing I had on my list, we could see, especially I think this this might be something seeded a little more in the future, but we could start to see smaller scale uh, encroaching in between worlds, like maybe some sort, I mean, we had a little bit of this in the Nissa story. They might have some sort of invasive species that's not necessarily intelligent, but is some Jund thing that wanders into another plane and has no predator and starts to take over. Or you could start to see some things like that, that are more smaller scale, but it's the nature, the new nature of the multiverse causing things to bleed over in a way that needs some pruning (laughs) potentially like a little more local attention than they had to do before. Yeah. Instead of, like the time spiral block where you had things leaking out of the, the you know, the time rifts, you, you're now having things leak out of these planar rifts. Yeah. And it's who knows what's going to come out of them. Yeah. And, and that's, I think in the short term, that'll be more the individuals getting lost or whatever, but in the, in the maybe more middle term, you could see a like there was this thing that we didn't know was at the bottom of a lake, and now the entire area around this lake is full of X thing that just eats everything that comes near it. And now we need to figure out how to deal with this thing that came from, you know, some other plane that we have no analog to here. Yeah. Or maybe you have some random person from that plane shows up and is like, Y'all need some help with this. Let me tell you how to do it. And it's a way to introduce some new character or something. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of possibility with what's going on right now. And we kind of have, I think we have the biggest opening for new story potential that we've had in the last 15 years because we've mm-hmm. dealt with all of those big bads. And yeah. it's kind of a, you know, it's an open canvas for, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you go back to the last time some major thing like this with the mending happened. There, there were several sets in a row that were just it was it was these uh, just a couple one off things, and then including the one offs, you had some of these villains introduced. But like the first set after Time Spire was Lorwyn. Lorwyn had nothing to do with anything outside yeah. of Lorwyn, but 
it was, you know, just like, let's just kind of have this thing happen, you know, this one off set. We're going to a cool world. We're going to do a cool thing with it, with the shadow more sort of flip. And, and yeah, then and 15 years later, the only notable thing that's happened on Lorwyn is Nissa planeswalked there for her first planeswalk. And I don't <laughs> think there's been a notable thing that's happened. on Lorwyn. Nope. Nope. Oh, and just because my friend Reinhardt is not here to represent it. I got to talk about, oh, why did I build a blank on the name of the plane? The pl- Homeland's plane. Like he's, he's very excited for that. Having actually shown up in more of the spark. Like they, they didn't forget about this place though. I just did. What was that plane called? What was it involved with? The, the, the plane from the set Homelands. Oh, Algrotha. Algrotha. Thank you. Yes. There's, actually some story with Sengir, Baron Sengir, sort of, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's a thing that becomes we, we a thing. We still don't know where Baron Sengir is. You know, 25 years after he walked through the portal, we have no idea. And, and like, he, when they did Commander Legends, they speci- the first one, they specifically had, not only had Baron Sengir in the set, but that was, like, the box promo, so it's like, maybe that's just a nostalgia thing that totally happens, but Maybe that's a seed to something in the future. We we'll see. Yeah, we get Commander Legends in two months. And, you oh, know, they could a... seed a lot of uh, or Commander Masters. I mean, um, yeah, they could seed a lot of potential nostalgic um, callbacks in that set. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's a thing they they've done with Commander sets in the past. The just the even the Commander decks you have. Hey, just all sorts of people. You just yeah. they have the opportunity to have people from all sorts of worlds, including both timelines of Tarkir. But there's also things where it's like, oh, you know, the Phyrexia keeps showing up in some of this stuff, and you know, some of these other worlds just kind of keep showing up. And uh, Kamigawa showed up in those sets a bunch, and so yeah. those are good places for them to to just say, hey, hey, re- remember this person? R- remember this place? And then, yeah. Six months later, they announced a set for that, or a year later. Yeah, they were definitely um, hinting at the Phyrexian return for a long time before they finally showed up. Yeah, so, all right, well, that's that's what I had on my list. Do you have anything else you wanted to hit? No, I think that covers it. You know, I brought up a lot of my points on mostly loose threads, which is what I thought of when you brought up this topic, because there, you know, there are a lot, like, I still want to know what's going on with the the voice from the Ozolith, and, you know, I'm very interested in, you know, this is just the old lore person in me, but I want to know what's going to happen with the Anaki. Yes. Because they are, they are terrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they are super intelligent mage ogres, which are a bad combination when you when you combine brute strength with raw intelligence, your superpower intelligence, you get you get a mean combination there. Yeah, and, and that ties into a lot of the Liliana storyline of the last five ish or more years, because her whole stuff with the, the Jane Vale and yeah, that honestly, of of all the kind of the loose threads we've talked about, I think that one might be the one I'm most interested to see what they do with from a villain side. I think the the thing I'm most interested to see on the other side is what happens to Garuk and his adopted kids. 
Yeah, uh, we'll find out at least uh, what happens to the Twins in a couple of months here. I don't know if Garuk's going to make an appearance this time, but we'll have the Twins. And that's our show for today. You can find the host on Twitter. HobbsQ can be found at HobbsQ, and Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Chronicler. Editing and production was done by Tom Gustafson, who can be found on Twitter at PSG Reader. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, the cast can be found at Patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music by Vindergotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at Vindergotten.Bandcamp.com. Logo art by Stephen Raphael who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raffle. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you all for listening, and remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>